Welcome to the audiobook version of the novel Mercy Not Sacrifice by Dan Parks, read by the author. Chapter 15, Wake Me. I started driving for Grandpa John when I was 18 years old, and the road had been my home ever since. Dr. Healer told me that I was alone too much, and it might not be good for me, and said that it would do me good to be with people. But people were unpredictable, and I either loved them or hated them, and I needed to learn why. You're a people pleaser, said Dr. Healer. What's that mean? I asked. That you like to make other people happy, which on the surface is a good thing, but people pleasers aren't happy with themselves unless they make others happy. I thought back about Lori and my parents and Ian. What are the symptoms, I asked. Mood swings, he responded. Emotional ups and downs and a lack of self-confidence. The mood swings come from allowing your personal contentment to be controlled by another person. It's what is called a codependent behavior. I fiddled with my zipper on my jacket and wiped my palms onto the front of my pants. That sounds like me, I said. Johnny, Dr. Healer said. Take heart. This is a personal revelation for you. People pleasing is a passive personality trait. What I'm suggesting will put the ball back in your court. You need to take control of your life again. It's not okay for you to put the responsibility of your happiness on the people in your life. It's your job. The ball is in your hands. This is your shot, Johnny. Driving at night, I often look back into the mirror and watch the rear red marker light to ensure that the trailer was following the truck and not veering off one way or the other. But that night I stared behind me for too long. My past had become all that I focused on, and I had stopped living in the present. I had forgotten to look at what was right in front of me. Johnny, Jesus said, wake up. I looked to see the headlights of the truck pointed straight towards the shoulder at a stranded car. I grabbed the air horn with my left hand for a warning, and with my right, I twisted the steering wheel to the left. But I overcorrected too hard, and the passenger mirror showed what effect the hard turn had on the trailer, and it began to jackknife, angling towards the car. Watch out for that car, John, Jesus said. Grandpa John had seen many pileups, and always avoided them. You have to steer towards it, he said. If you face the fear of the wreck, then you'll avoid it. But if you steer away, it'll catch you. It was my shot as the steering wheel was in my hands. My eyes faced the wreck and my heart hoped I'd avoid it. I turned the truck towards the shoulder and the passenger tire fell off the road and onto the soft gravel surface. The steering wheel fought my hands as the tires became caught in a channel of the washout of the gravel shoulder. It turned violently back and forth and I lost control of the truck. The driver's side lifted off the ground, and we balanced on one side until the surface evened out, and the truck bounced out of the hole and gained traction, causing the trailer to correct and straighten back out. A gust of force blew off the stranded car from the energy of the truck and pushed us away from it. The passenger side mirror missed the car by mere inches. That was close, I said as we were back on the highway. Jesus lifted off the passenger seat and threw himself back against it, grabbing his knees with his hands. We should turn in for the night, I said. I've been on the road almost 24 hours. Where are we? Jesus asked. A sign through the reflection of the headlights read, Selena, Utah, five miles. Utah, I responded. I didn't remember leaving Colorado, or Kansas for that matter. I pulled into a truck stop off the highway. I'm going to go in and get a shower, I said. You need anything? No, he responded. I can stay in the truck tonight, right? Take the top bunk, I said. 
A fresh pillow and a blanket is in the bottom cabinet. Can you wake me in the morning? Sure thing, he responded. I stood inside the lounge of the truck stop. Customer number seven, your shower is ready, said the loudspeaker. Heading to the showers, I saw two older truckers in a daze watching the 24-hour news channel on TV. A truck driver shortage, the talking head on the news channel said. What will happen when there's not enough drivers to carry the freight across the country? Prices will rise, the analyst responded. Freight travel times will increase. The only thing constant in the trucking industry is change. Costs go up, and when you're lucky, they go down. Freight comes and goes with the season. Trucks get better with every model, and drivers have gotten older. There's nothing attractive about the life of a driver. Being gone for weeks at a time, driving for 11 hours a day, and being alone only draws the dedicated and the desperate, and the former were hard to find anymore. In the truck stop shower, I stood alone and studied my body. I looked at the palm of my left hand and curled back my fingertips. I bent my wrist towards my forearm and the skin flexed and bent over the scar tissues of my past. I looked down over my chest and watched the water carry down over my stomach and past my knees. I attempted to count the visible scars in my right ankle, but there were too many. The water that pooled in the shower drain turned red. Blood red. I inhaled the hot water against my face and pictured myself in San Francisco. The walkway that stretched along the beach and the sea, I saw myself walking along the bridge and looked down at the park below, and the water began to grow cold on my skin. Hey, buddy, yelled the voice on the other side of the door. Time's up. Back in the truck, Jesus was fast asleep. In the bottom bunk, I was soon asleep too, but then I heard it. Johnny. My eyes woke as I said, yeah, Jesus, what is it? I didn't say anything, he responded. Go back to sleep. Sometime later, I heard it again. Johnny. This time it was louder than before. I sat up in the bed and punched the top bunk above me. What do you need? I asked. I'm sleeping, Jesus said. I didn't call for you. Then it happened once more. Johnny! I got up off the bed and stood up and looked Jesus in the eyes. Why do you keep calling my name? The double bunk in the sleeper cab of my truck was big enough for one driver by himself, but was hardly enough space for two men. He opened his eyes as his head remained on the small pillow until his feet touched the vinyl covered wall at the end of the single mattress. He intertwined his fingers together and stretched his hands over his head, and the look of sleep left his face. You should answer the one who's calling, he said. I slipped my boots onto sockless feet and tucked the laces inside my bare ankles. I stepped out of the truck to a lonely half moon that emitted just enough light for me to be able to see my hands as I reached for a cigarette and placed it in my mouth. I lit it and watched the cherry ember on the end of it turn red as I took my first drag and walked around the driver's side of the truck. I kicked the truck's tandem tires as I passed by them and took another drag from the cigarette. I stared down the bridge of my nose and watched as the white paper that held the dried tobacco inflamed as air was pulled against the brown filter. I touched the amber-colored turn signal at the halfway point of the trailer and continued around to the back of the double swing doors of the trailer. The doors were shut and sealed with a plastic bolt security seal, and I pulled on the handle to ensure it held. The passenger side of the trailer blocked most of the moon's light and cast shadows of the truck and the trailer and me on the ground. My silhouette was long and dark, and each piece connected together to form a shape that somewhat looked like a body. 
It was semi-symmetrical and put together as if it stood on its own. If only my actual reflection could have done the same. I kicked the passenger side trailer tandems with my boot and bent down to a squat. I looked inside at the wheel to look for missing or loose lug nuts. On a highway in the east, a common carriage driver had lost a trailer tire after driving for some time with it loose. For miles, he said. I felt like something was wrong. It didn't feel right. But, instead of stopping to get help or check for what he was doing wrong, he kept going. The outside duel came off first, and it flew past the cab of the truck and off into the ditch. But the inside tire had found a target before he even came off the trailer. The truck and trailer was headed northbound on a two-lane highway, and a minivan with a mother, a teenage boy, and two young girls came southbound towards that second tire. I stood up and walked to the end of the trailer, where it sat on the fifth wheel of the truck. I pulled the cigarette away from my mouth and held it between my index and middle fingers as my thumb rested on the filtered end. Squatting down, I placed it in my mouth and looked underneath to check the coupling connection of the truck and trailer. Years ago, Grandpa John had given a guy a chance. Jeremy had showed up in Gardenstown on a whim and without a past. He claimed to have had years of driving experience out in the west and needed a job. Grandpa John needed the help and put him in the truck on the first day. He left a lot faster than the rest, but had failed to check if the truck's fifth wheel was locked around the kingpin. It was too late for him to realize that he had high-hooked the trailer when he dropped it on the Gardenstown Bridge. Grandpa John had made it mandatory for all his drivers to check for proper coupling after the accident. I thought back to the connection that Lori and I once had. Had we been properly coupled? We had loved each other at one point, and we cared more for each other than for ourselves. At one point in my life, I would have sacrificed it all for her, and I'd known she would have done the same. Passing judgment is easy, but taking responsibility is more than a little difficult. Did I do all I could have? Growing older, our lives had begun to separate. Lori became more involved at the college, and I was away more on the road. I grew distant, and she became busy. I watched the cigarette ash fall from my mouth to the ground. The tobacco inside was once a seedling on a farm, and had grown tall and green in the late August sun, only to be cut down by a machine and stacked onto a cart and hauled into a barn to hang and dry. Tobacco is processed by stripping its leaves, and it's then that the product is graded. It's judged on a scale of A, B, or C, or first, second, or third. Would I be judged? The premium parts of the leaf are made into cigarettes and cigars and snuff, and what is left over is discarded. Was part of myself left over after Lori was gone? Back at the driver's side door, I looked up at the moon that had once shone down on me, but a cloud had passed in front of it and blocked the sky and its light. The night had become black and my shadow was gone. I had known something was wrong when Lori had first come home talking about Makina. I saw the twinkle in her eyes that had once been reserved for me, given to another man. When she compared me to him, he always won. It hurt the most when she started to talk about what I should change about myself. I took the last drag that was left on my cigarette. The cherry was all but gone, as only a bead of tobacco remained. I exhaled the last of the smoke out of my lungs, but I couldn't release the pain that my heart carried. I closed my eyes as I thought about the bridge. The sacrifice that I'd make there was my only hope for mercy. Dropping the cigarette on the ground, I stubbed it out with the tip of my boot and climbed back into the sleeper of the truck. After fighting sleep, for what seemed like an hour in the bunk, I heard it again.
Johnny. But it was quieter this time. I rolled over and put the pillow over my head and tried hard to ignore it. Thanks again for listening to another chapter of Mercy Not Sacrifice by me, Dan Parks. If you're enjoying the project so far, please think about rating or reviewing the podcast on iTunes as it really helps me out get more awareness about the project and it helps other people such as yourself find it. Thanks again. I'll see you next time on another chapter.